You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Thank you for joining us this week as we continue our teaching series on the book of Revelation. Good morning, Real Life. Today we close up Revelation. Yeah. No more of me upsetting your views on eschatology. We're moving on. Last week we got to do that. Trust me, we're all thankful, all right? All right, uh, let's see here. So we're going to wrap up Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters. It's important as we dive into this that as we dive into it, we need to make sure that we realize this part of Revelation does not exist in a vacuum. We often like to do that with these last two chapters. We kind of go, oh, this is kind of like the cap on the end of Revelation, and it's all about something else, and so... We'll just kind of like view it kind of by itself. But this, this does not exist in a vacuum. This is the culmination of 20 chapters of John writing to his audience of the early church in Asia and Asia Minor. Does that make sense? 20 chapters of John talking about overcoming, persevering, walking in faithfulness, believing in goodness, finishing the race. All of these ideas that we've talked about are going to culminate in this conclusion of Revelation 21 and 22, okay? So I want to make sure that we keep viewing it in that respect. Now, what I'm not going to be talking about is everything else, okay? So, so when we get to Revelation 21 and 22, and your temptation is to think, so wait, are you saying there's no, he-? like, no, I'm not saying that at all. Oh, so what happens when we die? I don't know. I haven't been there. Have you? No, fantastic. I want to view Revelation as this, the ending of this continuous conversation. So you're going to be tempted to be like, so what are you saying about the rapture? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. What are you saying about this? I'm not, I'm not. Now you're going to forget that in about 90 seconds. You're all cool, you're like, okay, Marty, be quiet, move on. No, because you're going to forget that in just a moment. You're going to be thinking, well, wait a minute, what are you? I'm not. I'm not saying anything about that. Okay, we're going to stay away from that, hold whatever position you want on those kind of things, but we need to make sure we hear Revelation in the same continuous conversation that John's been having. Okay? Last week, you got to listen to me do this, all right? Oh, fantastic. Okay, here we go. We're all so relieved. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the, yeah, I'm done. Peace. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Which direction is heaven coming? Down. Okay, John says, I saw the renewal of all things. I saw the restoration of all things. I saw the reconciliation of all things. I saw the new heaven and the new earth, the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming. Everything we've wanted, everything we've yearned for, I saw it coming here to this world. See, you're doing it. Are, are you saying, no, I'm not. 
But what about that? I, I have some thoughts about that. And I have some thoughts about the other thing you're thinking about. And I have some thoughts about all that stuff. That's not what I'm doing here. Okay? John is saying we have been persevering. We have been overcoming. We have been running the race. And now I have some incredible news, John says. Everything you've ever yearned for shows up. Listen to me. The, the story of the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation is about the action being here. The action is not somewhere else. The action is here. Let's keep reading. Uh, let's see here. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God is with who? Does man go to dwell with God? No. Well, are you saying that about the... Nope, nope. The dwelling place of God is the action is here. You cannot read the New Testament honestly, academically, whatever, whatever the word, that's a bad word, whatever, academically, whatever. You get what I'm saying. You cannot read the New Testament critically and come to the conclusion that we're just kind of hanging out here because the action's somewhere else. I don't know what happens when we die. I don't know what happens all that. I don't know about action somewhere else. The Bible is really concerned. Listen, the Bible is not concerned with life after death. The Bible is concerned with life before death. Yes, that's right. That's good. Nobody's writing that down, but that's good. <laughs> I stole it from somebody else, so it's okay. The Bible is not concerned about life after death. I'm not saying it never talks about it. I'm saying that's not its concern. The Bible is concerned with life before death. You are invited to live before you die. You are not invited to die so you can live. I mean, right. die to yourself, yes. But not like die biologically so you can live spiritually. You are invited to live before you pass on out of the, because this is where the action is. Okay? And they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Where does mourning, crying, pain, suffering, death, where does all that happen? Here. here. This story is about here. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making. Do a Greek word study on that. I am making. I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. Not behold, I have made all things new. Not behold, I will make all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. What do you mean I am making all things new? Meaning I am making all things new. I am making it right now. I'm making it. What about then? Yeah, I was making it then. What about then? Yeah, I'll be making it then. What about now? I'm making it now. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable... As for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, 
which is the second death. Talk about the second death in the chapter previous. You can go back and look at that. It tells us what that is. Now, we talk about the New Testament. <laughs> Guess what we're going to do with the Old Testament? It, the story never changed. Guess where John's getting all of his material from? The text. Let's go to Isaiah 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Sound familiar? And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For behold, I create Jerusalem. Sound familiar? To be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. Nor, no more shall there be heard in the sound of weeping and cries of distress. Does that sound familiar? No more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days, an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. This sounds very what? This world. Build houses and live in them. Labor. We're going to talk about labor. Plant vineyards and drink their wine. We're going to talk about laboring. That's very this worldy. That's a really technological term there. Technical. Technical theological term. Heary. Here dash Y. Heary. That's very heary. Okay, never mind. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures have always been about a story of the action being here, about life before death. We cannot read the Bible and make it about hanging out here, waiting for the action to happen somewhere else. The Bible has always been inviting us, even in the days of Abraham, our God is a God of the living, not a God of the dead. The story has always been about this life. God is wanting to seek and redeem and restore and renew and reconcile this life. I want to ask you a question I don't want you to answer. It's completely rhetorical. I just want you to reflect on it. I want you to think very critically. You don't have to tell another human being if you don't want to. That would be unwise, but nevertheless. Where do you believe this is all headed? Where do you believe this is all headed? Because it makes a huge, huge difference. If you believe that this story is headed down and down, if you believe the arc of redemptive history is going downward, that it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until it all collapses in some huge cosmic Armageddon and everything gets burned up and all, if you believe that's where this is headed, it makes a difference in how you live. And I've had lunch with too many of you that hold this position. I'm telling you, it's killing your soul. Because it puts you in a position of fear. It puts you in a position of scarcity. It puts you, well, it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Let me tell you, what you look for, you will find. What you look for, you will find. 
If you want to find despair and destruction and disaster and everything going south and south, whatever, sorry, talking like my parents all of a sudden. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to see that, guess what? You'll find it. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. But when you believe that that's where this is all headed, it ends in hopelessness and despair because you're just waiting for it all to collapse. And we're just trying to figure out at what point, like how close to the ultimate collapse are we? If that's where you think this is all headed, it changes the way that you live. It changes the way you approach life as resilient and victorious and triumphant and a conqueror because you're a part of something that's triumphing and having victory. And if you believe that the redemptive arc of history goes up, not some humanistic, I don't believe, we're not that good. <laughs> Nobody laughed at that, but listen, we're not that good. I'm not talking about humanism, like ushering in some utopian future. We're not that good, but God is. God's putting the world together and he's been looking for partners. You cannot partner with him if you don't see the work that he's doing. So you've got to believe this is headed somewhere redemptive. I don't know how it's all coming together. I'm not the one that has to figure all that stuff out. I just have to believe that's where it's headed and partner with the God who's doing it. And we have to be very careful that we don't... Oh, enough. Okay. Listen. Murder. Greed. Infidelity, cancer, disease, debauchery, addiction, rape, abuse, pornography, exploitation. Selfishness, envy, corruption, taking advantage of others, working and working and working and never receiving that which you worked for, malice, division. Rage, mental illness, depression, anxiety, idolatry, consumerism, injustice. Hopelessness. Despair, darkness, death, miscarriage, divorce, economic recession, war, 
Where do you believe this is all headed? Because there's lots in this world to steal your hope, to steal your joy, and to make you believe in the darkness. John writes this letter to a dying church. Not a dying church, a church that's dying. A church overwhelmed with what could be despair and darkness and persecution and martyrdom. And he says, you have to believe this is headed somewhere redemptive or there's no way you're gonna get up tomorrow morning and attack this world with a sense of resiliency. That you and I would be children of the resurrection. That we would fight cancer and take medication to deal with depression and anxiety. That we would fight the ills of the world and the stuff that we wrestle with. That we would ever dream of forgiving the people that wrong us. Ever, any of that only comes because you believe that ultimately God is redeeming the world and every time you choose to partner with him, you're taking part in bringing heaven to earth. Where do you believe this is all headed? Take that whole list and everything that you would add to it because I didn't even get, I only scratched the tip of the iceberg. Everything that you would add to your list of darkness and despair and frustration, take it all and listen to how Revelation closes. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be, will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. At night, and night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or sun. What happened to all your mistakes? What happened to all your failures? What happened to all your insecurities? What happened to everything that would cause despair? What happened to all that stuff? It gets thrown into the lake of fiery burning sulfur. It's all done away with. So how could we live and let it define our today? Because that's not where this is headed. Yeah. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. 
And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life, that they might enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And think of that whole list of all the things we talked about, all the things I listed. Think about all of that as he says these words, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Where do you believe this is all headed? Because if you believe it's headed there, it changes the way you get up tomorrow morning. There is a resiliency, there is a hope, there is a lightness in the midst of the darkness because you believe that this is all headed that direction and you can be a part of it in the face of everything else that seems to pull you the other direction. So how come we let all that other stuff get in the way of how we view the redemptive story of God and history? Now, uh, we have some implications, but before we go there, we need to start passing out our bread and the juice. So I want to invite our servers back there to do that. If you're visiting with us today, we have an open Eucharist table. That means that uh, you're in, your family, you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, your family, and you join us. Just hold on to the bread and the juice, and we'll take it all together here in a moment. A few implications. First one. God is restoring creation. God is restoring creation. Jesus told the Pharisees, my, my father is always at work. He never stops working. What does God do when he works? I, I, I feel like most of us have taken a position that God stopped working. He kind of just abandoned the world to its chaos. And he's going he's to work later. Jesus says, my father never stops working. If God is working, what is he doing? He's restoring. That's what he's, uh, that's like, that is his business. His business is redemption. His business is renewal. His business is restoration. That's the business that he's in. 
putting the world back together. It's what God is doing. You know that because he's doing it in your life. He's, he's taken all of your stuff and all of your junk and he's putting your life back together. He, he's teaching you about forgiveness. He's showing you how to love your enemies. He's teaching you how to walk faithfully. You got a lot of work to do, right? But you're working. God's working, more importantly. In your heart, in your life. It's what he does in the world. Next implication. The arc of creation, the arc of history is bent towards justice and hope. God has always been about the slow work of redeeming the world, which means the arc of history is going upward, not downward. And you and I need to be very, very careful. We need to be very careful that we don't forget that we are not the center. We as American Christians are not the center of this world's experience. Because there's a whole lot of other people on this planet. There's a whole 7.2 billion people, not included, us not included, that God's at work in. We cannot think that our sole experience here in our little slice of the world, in our country, in the Pacific Northwest, in our faith, in the way that we express it, in the lessons that we're learning, like this is the whole of the experience of God in the world. We have to remember, God is at work on, across this whole world. I was just at a church this last Sunday, Salt Lake City. We were talking about the church in Afghanistan. What? Yeah, the last nine months, 1,084 conversions. 169 house churches. It only came at the expense of 48 beheadings. Do not tell me that God is not at work in the world. Let's talk about China. Let's, let's talk about all the different places around this planet. God is, God is putting the world back together. But even if you were just to look at our history, God has been redeeming the world slowly and surely. That's how the arc of this thing goes. You do realize that 70, 80 years ago, almost all Christians would have argued for slavery. It was biblical. Guess what? The arc of history is bent towards justice and hope. We got a lot more work to do. We got a lot more work to do, but it's bent upwards, not downwards. It's bent towards justice and hope. Next implication. We have to decide whether we are going to trust our perspectives or the perspectives of others or the assertion of God. One of the things I love to do with my students is take them into the middle of the Negev desert over in Israel and try to teach them some of the things that God was trying to teach his people. Because one of the things that God was trying to do in the desert was to teach his people how to become people of the ears and not people of the eyes. Because the desert is a miserable place if you live by the eye. You have no idea where you're going. There's no hope. There's no food. There's no water. And God says, I want you to be a people of the ears. I want you to live. I don't want you to live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Deuteronomy, every word, what is that? That's listen to what I say, not what you see. Listen to what I say, not what you see. And so God provides him with manna for every day for 40 years, short little time period. Thank you. 
short little time period, God says, I'm going to teach you how to become a person of the, are, will we? Or are we going to let like all, like my, what I can see or what others see all around them? Or are we going to let our whatever, ch- choose your media outlet because I don't want to offend anybody, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever fake news outlet you want to point at. <laughs> are we going to let them, are we going to let our favorite talk show host tell us what's happening in the world? Are we going to let it filter our faith? Are we going to filter our faith through whoever? Or are we going to become people of the ears and the assertion of God that he is at work? John says, I saw, I saw everything we've been waiting for. It was coming here. It was fantastic. The reconciliation of all things, the restoration of all things, the renewal of all things, a new heavens and new earth, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, adorned as a bride, great wedding feast coming here. That's what God's doing in the world. Last implication. If we believe God is putting the world back together, we have to live like it. If we believe that God is putting the world back together, we have to live like it. We cannot live in a scarcity worldview where I'm just gonna kind of hang out here and wait for that day when I can get out of here and go somewhere else because here is the place where God, God's working here. We have to actually get up and go engage this world. It's not about disembodied evacuation. It's about physical participation. It is not about disembodied evacuation. It is about physical participation. That from Genesis to Revelation is what God has been inviting us to be a part of. But you have to believe that God's, God goes ahead of you. God goes behind you. God walks beside you. But that's what he's doing. I may not see it. I may not understand it. There may be a whole list of things that seeks to... I mean, here comes winter, right? You were outside this morning? Here comes seasonal effectiveness disorder. Like, seriously. Here comes the changing of the seasonal guard. Here comes cloudiness and despair. Here comes the cold. In the midst of winter, God is doing things that you would never believe. And we're gonna, we're gonna be reminded of that when spring comes. Comes every year. Comes every year, because God is doing things. Anyway, so we got this bread and we got this juice. A reminder, an invitation. God says, I'm looking for partners. They didn't even understand it 2,000 years ago when they did this with Jesus that first night. They didn't even understand. Even after he resurrected from the dead, they were like, is this, is now? Now when you're going to put the world back together? We're so confused. And Jesus says, I am going to put the world back together. I'm looking for partners. Are you interested? And this is our way of saying, yes, I'm in. And you don't even have to understand it because they didn't completely that night. You have to understand it just enough to be able to say, I, I, don't, even, I don't get it all. I don't even know where this is headed, but I want to be in. So we take a piece of bread. We remember that that night Jesus took the bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body. Take and eat. Whenever you do this, remember me. Let's remember the arc of Jesus' story. And later on in the meal, Jesus took a cup. It was really an invitation, viewed in context, viewed in the middle of the Passover story. This was really an invitation. He took the cup. He said, drink from this cup. This is my blood of the covenant. In a a, a way, Jesus was saying, I'm looking for partners. 
Jesus said, whenever you do this, remember me. Let's remember Jesus and his invitation. Father God, there is a lot that seeks to steal our hope. It seeks to steal our hope. And, and it, we call it Satan, we can call it whatever we want. Whatever it is, this darkness tries to get us to disengage and just hang on because God has not called us and created us to disengage. He has called us to participate. He's called us to be a part of the light. Would you remind us of how this whole story works and where it's all headed so we would not give in to the darkness and to despair and all the stuff that just seeks to pull us down? Would you invite us to get up every morning and fight? Lose though we may, you love to work with losers. You love to work with people who fail. You love to work with people who are weak. Through all of the struggle, would you remind us to just keep getting up and believing that you're at work, you are at work, you are at work, and there's a renewal of all things at the end of this, and we can be a part of it. God, we love you. We want to be children of the resurrection. We pray all these things today in the name of the resurrected Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.